Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rules of the Game, a podcast for Independent Education's Great Conversations Project, where your host, Butch Porter, that's me, has in-depth conversations with good people about great ideas. This episode is a half-hour version of a one-hour conversation. In order to hear the full conversation, please become a subscriber on either our Patreon or directly on the Great Conversations page at greatconversations.us. And don't forget to add us to your podcast feed and give us a five-star review at the end. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to Rules of the Game podcast. I'm your host, Butch Porter, and with me is the beautiful and talented, the one and only... Jessica Hausberger from the great state of Tennessee. How are you doing? Hello, Butch. How are you today? You know, I can't complain. I know that I say that a lot, um, but uh, I can't, man. I'm blessed. I'm living the dream, uh, the COVID dream, the uh, 2020 election dream. Um, everything is <laughs> hunky darn dory. Seriously. So, so what's going yeah. on in Tennessee? I hear you're going to uh, interview the mayor. Yes, I um, I had a little bit of a cold this last week, and I was kind of lying around resting a little bit. And I was, I kind of got the idea. Well, maybe I'll just reach out to the mayor and his challenger and see if I could interview both of them separately on my little podcast that I do out here in Nashville. And they both said yes, so I'm going to interview one of them tonight and one of them tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to give me some really great insights into. Uh, you know who I'm going to vote for because I'm undecided at this point. As right, because you, know you know them both. Because you know them both. Nice people, yeah. They're both great people. Um, you know, I sit with one of them in Sunday school, and she's an incredible woman with a lot of life experience. And the other one is a man my age who has, I feel like, has served well so far as a mayor in the last three or four years. And so it's kind of a win-win situation, but I'm looking forward to maybe gathering up some more insights over the next two days by talking to them both personally. So it's a cool opportunity. I'm excited about it. Yeah, and you can learn a little more about local government, right? I mean, that's the, you know, we, we, we often neglect that, especially in, on the, uh, the presidential years. There's so much, there's so much press around, um, around the presidential election. I mean, I think a lot of people don't even understand how the federal government works, but uh, I think people know more about that because we all learn it in, you know, in school. Um, I had a, I had a friend here who I think graduated with a public policy degree from somewhere and did not know how the state government worked in the, in there's not a lot of education about state or local government. It's a really great point. And I think as conservatives, we talk a lot about the importance of local politics and, you know, enacting change on that local level. But I have to admit just, um, you know, personally that I know a lot more about the federal government than I do about the own workings of just my own city government here. So I'm going to do a little bit to try to rectify that here in the coming months and years. I think that would, that would make you even more qualified uh, for a, <laughs> right? I, I used to be very, very involved in local, like I was on a commission for my town and, and um, I've never gotten really involved at the state level, but I have been very involved at the town level and, and to some degree, the county level. Now I have a son in public schools, so I get to go, 
I can go harass the school board again, but uh, I don't know if they really want <laughs> that to happen. So I thought that we would talk about uh, the, you know, the 800 pound gorilla in the room, and that is the national, the federal election, the presidential election that's coming up in uh, in a couple of weeks. Because I don't think we'll talk before if we if we keep our schedule, we'll be talking on election day. Right. So. Oh, wow. That yeah, could be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So we should probably do that. But um, and uh, talk about, I don't know, basically anything but the election. <laughs> do you think, <laughs> yeah. Well, before we get into it, do you think that we're going to know who the winner is on Tuesday night based on? Your no, I mean, we haven't known who the winner has been on Tuesday night in several elections, right? I mean, has that well, no, even we, happened we knew, in the last 20 years? We knew last time and we knew- We did? Oh yeah, we knew before- well, you stay up later than I do. Well, at least by midnight, 1 a.m., I think we were Well, we cool. didn't know by 9.15, okay? <clears throat> and that's when I go to sleep, so. <laughs> no, we didn't know by 9.15 central. No, no, we didn't. Uh, but we did know by- I think 1 a.m., maybe 2 a.m., uh, definitely. And it was looking pretty shady for Clinton uh, by midnight uh, on, the, on the East Coast. Because it was There were a lot of very shocked Democrats, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so I don't think we will because I think, I mean, I'm with you. I think we knew in 2012, too, as soon as, as, soon as uh, North Carolina went um, for Obama, which was pretty early uh i think we knew it was pretty much over then so but 2008 was closer uh 2000 2000 2004 were of kurt were of course you know closer 2000 was i was a couple weeks i think right so right uh, yeah. because of the hanging chads in florida and all that but i think yes with, but i think with with as much absentee voting as we have going on uh i doubt i doubt we'll know uh, on you know two Tuesday nights from now, it's two weeks from today. I just can't, I can't get over. Yeah, it. Uh, um, you know, I don't know what it's like in Virginia, but here in Tennessee, we have a ton of early voting, and a lot of people have already voted. And I just passed by a church um, on the way home from a bike ride this morning, and there were the the parking lot was just filled to the brim with voters. So. You know, if some other states are like that, who knows? We might be able to tally up the votes sooner than, than we're thinking. Maybe so. Um, I mean, there are a lot of states who have done early voting before. Uh, ours, not as much uh, in the past. Most of our votes are on election day. We're going to have a lot more this time, though, right? Because COVID, they, they sent out, you know, uh, forms to request a ballot and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it, you, you didn't have to be you didn't have to have an excuse to, I mean, it's not absentee ballot, right? It's, it's voting early. So, um, and it's voting remotely, more importantly, like it's not having to go in on election day because of COVID, right? Is what it's really, you know, about, right? That's why we're voting. Uh, that's why all this early voting is happening purportedly, right? Is because we're uncomfortable going into the polls Right? Isn't that why we're doing this? I guess so. I guess that's maybe how it kind of philosophically started off. But I think at this point, um, people are just really excited to vote. And I don't even know if people are really making the, the coronavirus connection. But, you know, I think a lot of people are. I, I'm very disconnected from 
the whole, um, you know, pandemic scare. I, I don't wear a mask. I don't use hand sanitizer. <laughs> I do sneeze in, in inside my elbow. What's that called? Your el elbow pit? Yeah. I, I do sneeze there and I try to respect people's personal space and I take vitamin D. Y'all don't have just a, not really uh, into the whole <clears throat> pandemic so much. You're not his you don't claim it. It's not I don't really cool. do it so much. <laughs> <laughs> so um so do you y'all don't have a mass mandate in, in Tennessee then, right? <clears throat> in the county that I live in, which is just north of, of uh, Nashville, outside of that county. We had a mask mandate until a few weeks ago. I didn't wear a mask during the mandate either, which okay. I just want to be really clear about that. I wasn't, you know, trying to be what I guess people have termed a mask hole. I just, for <laughs> me, the per <laughs> I know like my own grooming habits and my grooming habits are like average. I just knew I would be the person who would carry around the same mask for like three days in a row until it was sure. laden with a variety of bacteria and viral components. And right. didn't want to be putting that on my face on and off sure. throughout the day because I care about my own personal health. And so for me, it wasn't a good strategy or a good decision. Some people would see that as selfish and argu arguably it, it, it might be, but for sure. me personally, the mask just wasn't for me. Um, some people respected that. Others, I'm sure, maybe aren't friends with me anymore. I don't know. <laughs> I don't see anybody because of the pandemic. So. But you don't but you did, your businesses didn't require you wear it inside like when you when there was one it was required no, but they didn't um, call you on it. it it was inconsistent so i would say you know like 95 percent of everybody in our county was wearing a mask everywhere that they went and so when did that stopped when did y'all stop uh that stopped october 1st i think i think october 1st now i i'm not like somebody who's confrontational or i don't want to make yeah. a, an employee feel uncomfortable so i did carry a medical mask in my purse in the event that somebody did approach me personally and that happened uh, maybe twice during the entire pandemic one time when i was in miami florida at a shoe store and then one time <laughs> when i wanted to get my nails done um but other than that you know i've gone to all the major grocery stores and walmarts and targets and no one's ever approached me one time and asked me to put a mask on. Okay. Well, here in Virginia, uh, we have a statewide mask mandate. If you're inside of a, a public place, a business of any kind, and you have to be wearing a mask, the employees have to be wearing a mask. And so uh, I've only been like, you know, called out like once or twice. Uh, I think it was a Best Buy, maybe. Uh, uh, one of the employees came up, was, you need to put your mask all the way on. It wasn't on all the way, or I was... I think I was talking on the phone or something. And <clears throat> I mean, wearing a mask, talking on the phone is irrational, right? So, you know, I just uh, I just thought it wouldn't be that big of a deal, but uh, they came and told me to put my mask back on. They were very serious too. So, and I have so many friends that run businesses here um, that, you know, I don't want them to get in trouble. And so I, you know, I, I wear a mask anytime I go into a business and I have a variety of masks stuffed in my pocket. It's not hygienic, like at all. I mean, it's it's really oh right. Really it's bad. gross from a scientific standpoint. But I'm very pro business, like you, Butch, and we yeah, yeah. never want to make a business owner feel uncomfortable or an employee. So, you know, I was ready to throw my little dirty, nasty mask on at the drop of a hat. Fortunately, right. no one ever really said anything to me about it. Yeah, I, I've I've seen a few people occasionally just not wear one and. And I think most of them have like that, you know, go ahead and ask me look on their face, like, 
uh-huh go ahead come on and so you know a lot uh, i guess a lot of them don't really get approached but um, i would just be smiling at people and, <clears throat> and i think people actually were like just so grateful to see a human face smiling at them i swear smile. to god like there were people who were just like would gravitate towards me at the grocery store and, and you could tell some people were like wow why doesn't that person have a mask on because i'm just doing this out of obligation because i've been told to that's why right. isn't that person doing something out of obligation that they've been told to do that's interesting you know why yeah. aren't they doing it <laughs> just, here is there's a lot of mask shaming right that's a that's a huge thing so before we get into the presidential election in general because i want to talk about who we're going to vote for because i think people might be interested in that um maybe they won't be but i haven't publicly you know really uh, made a big deal out of it because i did not vote for either of the major parties last time and uh, up to recently i had you know pretty strong feelings uh that were uh that i probably wouldn't this time uh but i've changed my tune on that before we get into it uh i know that we wanted to talk about uh, how you feel, and I feel that uh, Trump, just on the issue of of the pandemic and especially the mask thing. I have a friend who, and if she listens to this, you know, sorry, I'm not going to call her out by name, but uh, you've met her. Uh, who's, I mean, literally just incensed every time Donald Trump says anything about the mask thing, right? That he doesn't. He doesn't encourage people to wear masks and he makes fun of people wearing masks. He made fun of Joe Biden wearing masks and that just makes her crazy, right? Um, and so, but maybe that's part of it. Maybe that's a minor part of it to you. But how do you feel that Trump has handled the pandemic like, you know, in general? I feel like it's, it's so subjective and difficult to say because it's like, well, what do we really compare it to? This is a virus that we've never seen before. We have had... Um, exceptional levels of testing that have existed nowhere else in the world. So there's no sure. country that we can really compare ourselves to. Donald Trump put together a top of the line testing system that, you know, is incomparable. Um, you know, he, he struck so fast by cutting off the, the, the um, transportation between here and China. That's yeah. something that I would venture to say that very few other people would be as just, excuse my language, but as ballsy as President yeah. Trump to have done that. I don't that. think anybody else would have done it. Nobody would have done that in a million years. In fact, all the it Democrats helped. called him out. It helped that it was China, right? Any excuse for Donald Trump to throw a wrench over to China. I mean, he'll, it was just, you know, yeah. happenstance that he's, yeah. he's constantly on an anti-China and for good reason, mind you. Right. I mean, he's he's always fighting China one way or the other. So I think that kind of made it easy. The epidemic could have or the pandemic could have very easily been much worse yep. um, and not so easily been not as bad. You know, it was going to reach certain proportions, the proportions that it did and the proportions that it is. And I don't think that really anybody who was holding the political office would have you know, push that in a different direction. I'm not somebody who obviously, from what I said before, believes that the mask is the be all and the end all of, oh, if we just mask up, we can fight all the viruses in the world and we can save humankind and maybe masks can even prevent climate change, but we're I don't all, know. We're all in this together, Jessica. We're all in this <laughs> That should be reserved for like a theme song for 30 minute sitcoms, but I don't know if it's really good par for the political court 
I swear, if I hear it again, I hear it every like major, you know, big box store I go into, they have the intercom going. Or the logic of if you could just save one life. Well, there's a lot of things that I could do to save one life. If oh, well, you want to carry that logic to yeah. the end, I've been, I can make a whole list of things that you can do and not do to save a life. You could just stay. Have you ever seen my 600 pound life? People that just stay in bed all day and eat fried chicken. If no, you do that, well, you'll save a whole bunch of lives. Well, we should just stop driving. That would be the first thing, right? Heck That's yeah. 38, 40,000 people a year, fatality wise. Uh, so don't give the Democrats any ideas, Butch. I know. I know. <laughs> they'll take away my new gene so so you don't i mean my take on it is a little different my my take on it is that his response has been good in some ways bad in others but for the most part what i've learned what i've sort of taken comfort in is that you know he doesn't have a lot of power i mean if it was a zombie virus right and you know i mean if it was a little bit worse or maybe it would have to be a lot worse. He probably could have taken on more emergency powers, um, but there wasn't anything. There wasn't any instance that I I can recall where he actually took on more than the sort of advisory and and uh, you know federal emergency. I mean, he did provide uh, capacity to New York City. He brought a Navy ship in and. And uh, so that they could have more hospital beds, which they never used, by the way. Uh, so there are some things he did, but for the most part, the governors have been making the decisions, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's to me, that's good. I think that's good because you find out which governors um, and mayors. Oh, don't forget mayors, because we during the pandemic we've also had this BLM thing, uh, which has been and in New York the mayor. The mayor was uh, was important, uh, you know, by himself. I guess that's true. The pandemic. I mean, mayors have had a role, uh, but mostly it's the governors. The governors are the ones that are in charge. They're the ones that have the right to suspend someone's right to move around, right? In other words, your your liberty of movement is mostly can be most efficiently compromised by your state governor and uh and that's been true i mean the governors have made all the decisions so do you feel like your governor has done a good job in general yeah i, I like our governor and he's really you know delegated most of the decision making to the counties and to uh the mayors and you know which has been great for us because in tennessee you've got you know a couple little hot spots in the memphis and the nashville area but you rural tennessee you're seeing a couple cases here and there. Those counties need to be able to deal with things, you know, specific to what makes sense for them. And so that's what we've seen largely here in Tennessee, and it's worked worked well. I've been I've been pleased with it. I mean, it's a it's a pandemic, and it's been hard to see. We have had loss of life. I don't personally know anybody who has passed from um, the coronavirus, mm -hmm. but I do know people on social media, for example, who have had loved ones and. And, you know, but, you know, what, what I have experienced much more, but just on a personal note, is I have a lot of friends and family members, to be frank, who are going through divorce 
as a result of the pandemic. Wow, um, I've, I, friends going through divorce as a result of the pandemic? I am shocked at the number of people going through divorces right now. I, I think we're actually going to see statistics, shocking statistics on the other side of this. People that I never imagined getting divorced are getting divorced right now. So and happy to be about, doing it. We're talking about people getting divorced because they were stuck at home together for extended periods of time? Yeah, I mean, this was one of the big predictors that psychologists made at the, big of the pan- at the beginning of the pandemic. Number one, they predicted that there would be a big baby boom, which we probably will see. I don't know right. the statistics on that. I mean, and then they predicted good. a lot of people would get divorced. Some people are getting divorced and they're pregnant. I mean, that's a bad combination. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. That's rough. A lot of people I know on Facebook are, have had loved ones who have experienced drug overdose during this pandemic. Which, on a really personal note, my next door neighbor died two days ago, an older man, 85 years old. He didn't die of coronavirus, but he was very social. And I feel like just being kind of locked in for the last few months and not having those human connections. The last time I saw him, he came over and I just, he goes, I go, look, I know there's a pandemic, but I just want to give you a big old hug. And Mm -hmm. we just stood on my front porch and I just held this this 85 year old man who I've waved to at the end of his mailbox every day for a decade, but don't really know all that well. We just sort of held each other and had this like quiet moment of understanding. And I think he knew his time was coming to an end, but it just broke my heart. All this to say that, you know, when, when a virus comes and it impacts a group of people, if you just focus completely on that virus, but not on, on all of the other, you know, curves as we've heard. You know, you lose sight of the fact that human beings and societies are complex, and we deal with a whole wide variety of of issues and problems, and and all of that has to be balanced along with an economy that impacts people. and And people will say, oh, well, people's lives are more important than money. Money kind of fuels people's lives on a very important level and our, our jobs and all of that, you know, provide stability and, and food and, and roofs yeah. over our heads. So all of this has to be balanced. Like you said, I think President Trump, um, you know, whether it was within his control or because he was making the decision, either way, the power was sort of kind of delineated to more of a state level and then even beyond that to more of a city level. Mm -hmm. And I think you bring up another great point and that's this, you know, you kind of just touched on this point and it's that because of who President Trump is, somebody who people on the far right tend to trust a little bit more to protect their freedoms on some level, um, certain types of people on the right, Butch. And uh, because of that, I, I think he was, on the right anymore, right? I mean, he was maybe theory. met with a little bit less friction. I want you to think for a minute if Hillary Clinton had been in office. Okay? I'm trying not to think about that. And, and now I want you to recover emotionally. Um, now, imagine that she was dealing with this pandemic. The amount of, just on a political level, the amount of pressure for Republican senators and representatives and Republican governors to not cooperate with her just based on who she is, I think, you know, probably would have made it so that she couldn't exercise the full extent of power that she would want to anyway. So people are like, oh, if this person was in office, they would have done this and they would have done, no. 
there's all kinds of checks and balances and know. more than likely it probably would have been very similar yeah, I think regardless of who was in office i think i think it would have too i don't think hillary would have i don't think it would have been much different here's the thing if donald trump let's make a list of all the things that that the democrats want donald trump to do right now right if he had actually from the outset determined to do those kinds of things like like a nationwide mass mandate which he has no ability to do right i mean there's it's almost impossible there's no way to enforce it there's absolutely federal joke. In, in there's just no way but if if he had sought out to do those things then the whole thing would have just been flipped you know republicans would be republican governors and republican politicians would be jumping on the let's save a life through whatever bandwagon and democrats would have cried tyranny and madness and chaos and they would have called him the next you know uh you know hitler and you know how dare he he's over exceeding his authority and everybody knows this i mean that's that's not even a question i know good and well and i can't prove it of course you can't prove a negative but i know and you know that if donald trump would have been really aggressive about the virus they would have they would have lost they would have lost their yeah. minds you know and look i mean here's I, what neither one of us true. go ahead hope is true is that republican governors would have said screw you too right but right. i can't prove that i i actually believe that some of them would have jumped on that bandwagon and so unfortunately uh, what we had is is a president who did not overly exceed his authority which is great which i'm exceedingly glad for uh glad for because every president has been more aggressive uh with executive federal power than the previous one for the last like you know eight presidents right so um i i found that i found that to be very relieving i'm glad yeah. and plus we've shown especially with blm we've shown um the who the dumbest mayors and the dumbest governors in the country are like yeah. some real lack of, right. of brain cells like to like enough to rub together to 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 make like <laughs> like and there's a couple i have in mind particularly which i won't pick on because i want to be nice but um i think i think yeah but all that to the original point is that i don't think that would have it would have been much different with clinton I think Clinton would have found sort of the same sort of barriers and the same pushback from, you know, just the opposite governors. And I think it would have been very similar. Um, and uh, although I can't prove that either, I, I just hope that, you know, I, I'm an optimist, I guess you'd say. So. Well, look, neither one of us are big fans of President Trump's overall personality and, and style, for example, and I don't think most people on the right are, but one of the things that uh, about his personality is he, since he is a little bit more divisive on some, in some ways, it's almost kind of like the governors have had more freedom to just kind of do what they think is best for their states, because you don't really get this sense like they're in cahoots with the president, because it's like, Nope, he's really kind of doing his own thing. Like President Trump f doesn't really seem to have a lot of like really hardcore political strategies. Like most of his strategies are very obvious. They're very like on the surface. What you see is what you get. 
I kind of like having somebody in office who, although I might not agree with them or even appreciate their style most of the time, like I kind of feel like I know what I'm getting most of the time, which is very unusual. Yeah, I think, you know, I was telling somebody the other day and and talking, you know, about Trump in general. Um, I have trouble understanding Donald Trump for uh, for (laughs) simple set of reasons. And that is um, like Mike Pence, I get right. And I'll I'll explain why, because my my thing is, is when I approach a decision that I think is going to affect more than just me which, you know, I run a business. And so I, you know, I have to do that occasionally. I'm, I'm a father. I'm, you know, so I, I approach it with a, with a set of, with a set of moral landscapes, right? I mean, different things that I've learned through my life, different experiences I've had, different influences I've had, different role models I've had since I was a kid. Uh, you know, things that I've studied and learned and tried to incorporate my spiritual life, all those things sort of have these overlapping, sometimes concentric, sometimes even competing sets of moral values. And all those things sort of factor in the decisions that I make. Um, Now, I'm not saying that Donald Trump doesn't have any of that. I think he does. I just don't understand any of them. I don't know. I haven't read uh, what Art of the Deal. I'm sure that's that shows some of his, you know, his his value set. Um, and I don't object to any of that. I think it's fine. I think some of those things could probably be very useful. It's just a different set. And I think the general principle is when he walks into a room and has to make a big decision. I think would he my impression is, and I don't want to judge his soul because I just, you know, I don't have the right to do that. Um, But my impression is, is that he looks at the situation and says, all right, what, what's the most we can get out of this legally? And that's pretty much, that's pretty much is what can we get away with legally? What can I do? What are the constraints that's not going to get us all put in jail that we can get the most money out of or benefit from? Sure profit in the general sense whatever it is that we're trying to accomplish whether it be his business or whether it be his, his uh, you know his role as as president i think that's the way he approaches situations that's my impression whereas yeah. with mike pence i his value sets are so familiar to me that yeah. i i know like when he says i don't have dinner with a woman uh you know or a meeting with a woman in in private without someone else there other than my wife because I, because, I mean, he doesn't even have to, for me, he doesn't even have to finish the sentence. I know exactly why, right? And not just because of the Me Too movement, but because of an entire package of Christian moral precepts that he brings to the table. I don't recognize any of Donald's packages of moral precepts, right? And that's the, that's the, that's why I have trouble delineating you know, how he makes decisions, if that makes he sense. He is not a, a moral leader, and I right. don't think anyone would say that he is. Um, you know, I think he had probably, his ego development was <laughs> different than Mike Pence's. A lot of things he does are, you know, seem to be a little bit more motivated from an ego, a place of ego. And I think, whereas you're more of like a, somebody who makes decisions from the head, 
he's more of a of a gut instinct type of person and he's kind of kind of gonna go with that with that gut instinct and and those two things can propel you to different types of success i listened to an interesting podcast this past week on joe rogan and he was Mm -hmm. speaking with um i think he was a psychologist who specializes in narcissism and it was interesting because they were talking about the different types of narcissism and they did touch on donald trump for a long time but you know narcissists kind of get a bad rap right but there's a reason why they exist in our society from an evolutionary standpoint um you know they have survived and <laughs> there's a reason why but but uh people with, with more narcissistic tendencies tend to be you know kind of exactly what you said how can i push this to the limits legally and get the most out of it and, and yeah. narcissists oftentimes tend to be very successful in business if they can you know put their best strengths forward with that now where they lack you know maybe uh success is in their interpersonal relationships and dealing with people on a more empathetic level and all that so you know uh maybe barack obama probably had a better interpersonal skills seemed to be able to make people feel more comfortable there's a time and a place for everything yeah he you know people are not black Thanks for listening to Rules of the Game. Please give us a five-star review and share with all your friends who are interested in thoughtful and entertaining discussions. Be sure also to visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash rulesofthegame and on Facebook at facebook.com slash rotgpodcast. If you're interested in joining the conversation as a contributor or lively discussions with other thoughtful citizens, then go to greatconversations.us. Also last, but certainly not least, check out our sponsor and benefactor, Independent Education at indead.us, where they mastered the art of the micro school before it was cool.